Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. show with Alan Joe and we're happy to be here on a Sunday and of course it's 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 uh well it's just 18th of January I mean we're already more than halfway through the month of 2015 I mean what is up with that it's just it's way too fast before we know it'll be Christmas again people you know I said the same thing last year where did the year go and here it's just flying by again so, speaking of which, let's talk about the calendar before uh, before I bring Al, since he's, he's uh, quickly stuffing his face. <laughs> oh, see. Well, Taiyo Khan had just wrapped up for the year, uh, and that was in Mesa, and that was this weekend. So, I uh, hope that some of you got out at the Anime Con. I know I didn't. <laughs> but, that's... Uh, that's a whole other story. And next weekend. Next weekend. I don't have anything on next weekend. Can you freaking believe that? Except for our show, of course, on 25th. And so that will be, uh, see, again, same, same bad channel, same bad time, 7 p.m. on 25th and next Sunday. And then uh, Hate Girl Show. Hate Girl Show we've got on 28th, which is Wednesday. So it's a week and a half from today. And that starts at, uh, we're going to, we are, we are featuring the American Long Spurs. I call them a boy band. Yeah, three guys and all instruments. I like that kind of stuff. So, American Long Spurs. I'm going to have some eye candy. I don't know about you. And that will be from 8 p.m. to 10 p.m. And that will be at the Time Out Lounge on Mill Avenue and Southern in Tempe. So, come on out. I, I'm not going to tell you what to drink, but you drink whatever you want. And listen to some live music, because you know that this doesn't happen all the time, especially on a Wednesday. So, uh, get that now. Then, the Glendale Chocolate Fair is the weekend of the 30th and 31st. And... That would be, of course, at Glendale, because it's a Glendale Chocolate Affair. And I know a lot of um, uh, romance writers are going to be out there. Hey, girls. And this is awesome. Have fun. And then uh, February. Oh, man, February. 
we've got the book launch party for clusters, and that's going to be at the. If you guys are interested in, in that particular information, definitely P, uh, personal message me on Facebook at pj strand. And if you don't spell my name right, you're not going to find me. H u l t s t r a n d. I had somebody do that this week. They said I couldn't find you anywhere, and I said, really. I mean, you Google me, and you can find me almost anywhere. They said, oh, I, we didn't find you anywhere on a Google. And I said, well, did you spell my name right? Or well, how do you spell it? And sure enough, that was the problem. So that happens. See, it's two T's in my name, people. You want to find out what I'm doing? you got to spell the name right. So that's going to be on the 5th on, oh, no, I'm sorry, Friday. We're going to do that on Friday. So it's the first launch party. And then, hey, you know what's coming up? Uh, I know what's coming up. You guys maybe not. Maybe don't know what's coming up, but Amazing Arizona Comic Con is going to be at the Phoenix Convention Center in 13th, 14th, and 15th. And Arizona Publishing Service as well as Wide Media is going to be out there. And we'll just have fun all weekend. So I'm not sure where our table is yet. So as soon as we find out, I'll let you guys know. And come on out. And uh, I don't know. We'll figure out some way to spin a wheel. Have fun. Throw throw some stuff around. I know that uh, Don Jock's going to be out with his book, and so we are going to have just so, so much a good time. Uh, weekend after that, uh, publishing and marketing meetup. We had one yesterday that just it was a packed room, people. So uh, all talking about publishing and networking with uh, other people and finding your niche and writing and oh my goodness books 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 so uh that's on the 21st always the third weekend unless of course i'm busy then i have to move it and then we've got well galaxy fest is coming and that's uh that's going to be in colorado area and pepper the prepper fest expo is going to be in tucson on february 28th through march 1st I'm not going to say nothing about that one. Okay. This review prepper, that's that's awesome. Uh, T.M. Williams has another sales and marketing class at the Phoenix Library on February 28th. I'm not sure of that time yet. And then also that same day, the PRWC mini conference for teachers. If you're a teacher, you should go to this conference to find out new ways and strategies for teaching. So that's through February, people. And if I miss something, let me know. And I will add it to our freaking large calendar here. And <laughs> Al decided to duck into the other room. So I'm going to have to stretch out the information. I think I can probably do that. Just remember, um, we're going to talk a little bit about the show. Uh, this is a manned space show, so if uh, you have want to call in, we would love to have you call in, but we don't talk about religion, we don't talk about abortion, we don't talk about politics, we talk about manned space. So the call-in number is 714-242-5145. While we might have opinions on those other things, we try to keep it just about space. So 714-242-5145, we welcome your call. We actually dare you to call. (laughs) 
we would love you to call. And just, you know, because we like to talk, obviously. Otherwise, we wouldn't be on radio. Are you ready? I am a guy. I am always ready. Yeah, that's what you say. Uh And we're already like eight minutes into the show, and I've been talking the whole time for you. Well, yeah. (laughs) So, it's been a busy week. That, well... Has it been? Somewhat. I mean, there's 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 always stuff going on. Oh yeah, um, one of the things that's that I kind of like is that because our focus is strictly on manned spaceflight news. Yeah. Um, there's there's a lot of other stuff going on. There's there's astronomy. There's um, <clears throat> satellite launches and things and research they're doing on climate. Prepper. Prepper stuff. Yeah, prepper stuff. Uh, there's there's. There is something for everybody out there to keep track of, to watch, uh, to stay on top of. Uh, we focus on manned spaceflight news, what's going on. And as, a, as an adjunct to that, I try to follow some of the other technology tracks that exist. Um, anything that contributes or could contribute to manned spaceflight, uh, be it in low Earth orbit, out to the moon, out to Mars, or heaven forbid, out to the moons of Jupiter or beyond. Would that be cool? It would be very cool. Um, and so we do focus on a very specific area of space news in that regard. <coughs> now we also, uh, for those of you new to the show, we do specifically focus on things that are fairly recent. We try to keep um, the news to what's been happening in the past week. What's the file again? What's the file? The next space in Weavers. Okay, you've been doing this how long and you forgot where the script is? I've been in on this this thing like too many times going back and forth from book to book and just like. (laughs) (laughs) Brain fried, people. Oh. Uh. So I'm good now. Mm -hmm. I'm where I'm supposed to be. That's what well, they say. You're always you're is, exactly is, where you're supposed to be. Yeah, yeah. There we are. So to do anyway, to get back on track, we have we have several areas that we keep a watch on during the course of the week, um, and you know, so our categories for our our discussion and our tracking tonight are NASA news relative to space flight or manned space flight. There's international news. There's there's news about uh, new space or private uh, space companies and so forth. And then there's there's a section that we do call related tech, uh, which covers um, issues and or technology related to manned space flight. Now, just because something, um, anything that could affect manned space flight doesn't okay. necessarily mean that that affects manned space flight only, yeah. but that it's a it's a critical issue that we will face as we begin to move outwards um, into low Earth orbit and beyond. Also, just a late note that we do include the links in which he's talking about um, into the chat right below your information about the show. Um, Copy and paste, uh, go into the links, follow along. It's one of the services we give you. that way you guys can say, hey, he's not just whistling out of anything out of his mouth. He's actually has found this stuff on the Internet. 
and is uh, keeping you abreast of all the different places that can possibly have man's face news. There you go. So, without further ado, distractions. Or <laughs> well, I'm quite sure that's not true. <coughs> or otherwise uninteresting <laughs> fluff. Let us begin. Are you calling me uninteresting fluff? No, you're a girl. You're fluff no matter what. I'm, def I'm definitely never not interesting. <laughs> That's a double negative. There you go. Okay, first on our list, the International Space Station is returning turning to normal uh, following a reported ammonia leak this week. Now, earlier this week, apparently there was an alarm about the possibility of an ammonia of an ammonia leak on the International Space Station. As a result, the astronauts, the U.S. and um, international astronauts moved over to the Russian segment in order to give engineers on the ground time to assess the situation. And ultimately, they determined that there really wasn't an ammonia leak, at least not inside. So they're still working on figuring out what went wrong there. Uh, and <coughs> in, um, in the process... Uh, we begin to get somebody like somebody tripped a fire alarm. Somebody tripped a fire alarm. Yeah, it must have been one of the kids going down the hallway. Yeah, you know, yeah, yep. just pulling a pulling a joke or some mm -hmm. some initiation to get into it. Ammonia leak! Ammonia leak! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everybody <laughs> wants to yell fire in the movie theater. <clears throat> anyway, so they're actually getting back to normal. Everybody's uh, getting comfortable back into things, and one of the things that they're doing is they get back to work studying the immune system in space. Now, um, flight controllers determined there was no leak, so they allowed the crew to resume their activities. And this week, the residents kicked off several new experiments delivered Monday morning aboard the SpaceX commercial craft that uh, arrived. Now, Italian astronaut Samantha Cristoforetti worked in Japan's Kaibo lab module feeding fruit flies for an experiment that will observe how long microgravity affects the immune system, while NASA Astronaut Terry Virts sets up bacteria kits inside the Destiny Lab's microgravity science glove box for an experiment that explores the risk of infectious disease in space. And, you know, it's, it's, that's, that's an important thing to keep in mind. Uh, if one person happens to come up with either a dormant or uh, early stages of any kind of um, illness or disease, and that is uh, infectious, uh, you can just about kiss most of the astronauts goodbye because there is no real, um, they don't have the kind of medical care available that we do down here. So yeah. that, that presents a real big risk. So covering these things also um, engenders information that relates to um, what's going on or what will be going on in the near future. Okay, my system is slowing way down. Are we connected? We are still yeah, connected? We're, we're still good? Okay. All right. So, moving on to our international space news. Russia. Okay. Um, Russia, and, and, you know, take this with a grain of salt, guys, because in the last several months we have had a boatload of news articles, both positive and negative, coming out of Russia about what Russia's going to do next. Um, we've got them, I mean, they just recently launched 
uh, did their first test launch of their new Angara rocket. Um, but we're hearing things. I mean, there, the rumor mill is just going nuts with their economy struggling right now, yeah. with all the things that are going on in um, uh, uh, Ukraine, with everything else that Russia is being challenged with these days. <coughs> the um, idea of the Russians moving forward and doing different projects is questionable because we're hearing multiple stories both up and down on a lot of these. And this one is, of course, no different. Now, according to the article, Vladimir Putin has given his preliminary approval for the development of the Russian-designed rocket capable of lifting a record 150 tons of cargo into orbit. Similar projects, uh, such as the SLS from NASA and Elon's um, big dumb rocket, basically the Falcon Heavy and above. Now, the news comes on the back of successful test launch of the long work they've been doing on the Angara rocket earlier this summer. That rocket, which is capable of delivering up to 35 tons into LEO and its most powerful modification. And, of course, it was the first launch vehicle developed entirely after the fall of the Soviet Union. Now, keep in mind that the, the Soyuz system that's been in place since Yuri Gagarin, which would be back in the early uh, 50, or late 50s. So we're talking a 50-year uh, history for this ship. Yeah. Uh, they built it right the first time, apparently. Uh, well. <laughs> I'm sure they made some modifications. There, there have been okay. modifications over the years, but the Soviets built a, a solid workhorse, and it's done a great job over the, these last 50 years. The Angara is, as I understand it, to be the Soyuz successor. And, of course, this new rocket that they're talking about building, uh, designing from scratch and building, is seemingly a response to the construction of the SLS at NASA and the Falcon Heavy and its uh, successor after that from SpaceX. Now, <coughs> there are also, there's also talk from the Russians uh, of many different directions that they could take when the ISS reaches its production lifetime end in 2020 or 2024. There are talks of them cutting their modules loose from the space station and using those as a core for a new station. There's talk of the Russians continuing to support the ISS in its current configuration and adding to it. There's also talk of them scrapping a lot of stuff and starting a whole new one from scratch. So it'll be interesting to see how these things play out. We generally don't get too much into uh, future announcements much, um, but I do like to at least keep up on these things, make sure everybody's aware of what could be coming down the, t the pike. We all know about uh, the, the uh, wonderful um, uh, thing that Microsoft got in the habit of doing back in the 80s of delivering uh, vaporware. And so a lot of times these are vapor promises from Russia and NASA and things about doing stuff that they may or may not be able to do in the coming years. Due to funding or... Due to funding. Uh, somebody, decides, somebody decides to invade the Ukraine, so that kind of slows things up a bit. Um, the so U.S. Like evasion, well, evasion oil producers in the U.S. start doing fracking, and despite all the problems, potential problems that it causes, gas prices get cut in half in less than a year, and... <laughs> 
the Russians. Well, we like that. Well, we like that. Uh, all sorts of consequences with the uh, Russian economy, um, as well as other OPEC producers. Moving on to new space. Um, uh, an interesting article uh, <laughs> that comes up every now and again we see a repeat of this article or at least Texas base the continent and you know it's it's a topic everybody loves to consider talking about and you know space.com put this article out uh this is a year old why why did i end it up with it um yes i guess somebody i guess i goofed <laughs> this is one that shouldn't have gotten into my list, but... All right, we'll talk about it anyway, because um, it's just sex. It wouldn't surprise me that we talked about this last year about this time. Oh, probably. Something uh, like but, you know, sex in space, it's a great topic to discuss because everybody wants to know how it could work. Yeah. And, you know, when I was reading this, I actually came up with a great way. You ready for this? <laughs> no, I'm sure. <laughs> It's really quite simple. The mechanics of coitus are simply you immobilize, you basically uh, don't immobilize, but you secure one of the bodies, and the other body gets handholds to have at them. Okay. That's, All right. That's probably enough. That's probably enough. Yeah. So, well, you know, who's who's to say that you don't have a uh, lovemaking belt in orbit? And you yeah. pick a spot in the wall, you, your belt catches the wall, and... Your partner grabs the, the okay. hooks in the belt, and off okay. you go. This is a All right. PG-13 PG. So, I mean, there's there's a simple and straightforward alternative. Uh, Velcro, everybody's favorite tool, right? <laughs> Don't we just love Velcro? <laughs> How many times have you sitting somewhere? You're going to totally get us in trouble here. <laughs> How many times have you been just getting ready to sit down, and some numbskull <laughs> behind you, Reaches down to their fanny pack and goes rip with their Velcro, right? And you're thinking, oh my God, I've ripped my trousers, I've ripped my pants, or I've ripped my armpit, or something like this. And of course, it makes you all self-conscious, you know. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> How many times have we had that done? But Velcro, yeah, fun I think, stuff. I think we totally went out to another space space tour here. <laughs> but well, what, what was the actual article about? Wasn't it about childbirth and things like that? Well, there are all sorts of issues when we when we talk about sex in space, and of course, it's one thing to think about um, having uh, interpersonal relationships in space that could result in a pregnancy. More than likely, the the, the people that are going to be up there are going to have a sense of we're not ready for this yet, and so there are going to be some precautions taken. Uh, for a large number of the people that go up into orbit sure, into but space, but I know some women who take all the precautions and, and all they have to do some guy look at them and they get pregnant. Yeah, there are those. Yeah. There are those, oh. and in, and under those circumstances, we still need to really look at what are the issues oh, for sure. pregnancy in space. And actually, the the curious thing is is that there are several experiments on the International Space Station that actually look at the issues that could be faced by gestating creatures mm. growing in either eggs or in their wombs and so forth. And part of this is the fruit fly. They're looking at the potential for genetic anomalies. They're looking at deliberate anomalies inserted. They're looking at um, many different things and how does the environment affect the flies and so forth and so forth. So definitely some interesting things um, to consider 
as we go forth. Because, you know, one of the things in the article um, that it addresses um, is the idea, what is what is the, the lack of gravity going to do to a baby in the womb? Yeah. But, you know, I'm sitting here thinking, you know, gravity doesn't really affect the baby in the womb until it's time for it to be born. It's already floating. Right, but the thing is that that lately they've been doing a whole lot more births in water. Right. So they'd be floating anyway when they come out. It's the growing part that might be a problem. Yeah. I mean, given the radiation environment, the the atmospheric environment, which is a mix of gases. The gravity issue. And the gravity issue. So these definitely things to keep keep a watch on, folks, as we move forward. Our next article. Um, we've been watching with interest all of the political shenanigans that are going around, um, and it's fascinating to watch the wheels turn around the world. In the United States, we had the uh, crash, uh, the crash and burn, basically, on liftoff of the Antares uh, several months ago, or several weeks ago, weeks ago, months, months, a couple of months ago, um, and it was considered to be uh, an issue in that uh, launch failure was believed to be the RD-180 or 181 rocket engines. And of course, there was this big flurry of activity in the United States to okay, now we got to ban the RD-180. Okay, uh, ULA, you've got to go find new engines, and you should plan on giving us a new engine in one or two years. And they're firing back, well, it's going to take ten years and billions and billions of dollars to develop a new engine. And you know, it's it's it it's fascinating how the wheels of commerce and the wheels of politics do not operate at the same. Speed. Ergo, <laughs> what we end up with is this article, which is an interesting read. Um, Russia and the U.S. signed a $1 billion contract on RD-181 rocket engine deliveries. And the gist of it is, is that the U.S. has agreed that orbital sciences can acquire um, another couple of shipments, shipments of RD-181 rocket engines for launches on their uh, boosters mm-hmm. for the price as long as they don't send them up on military spacecraft. <laughs> now, the interesting thing to remember is is that a large majority of, of orbital sciences or ULAs launches are military. Okay. And so you don't think they're going to slide a few in there if they need to get a launch up? Oh, well, you bet. You know, so I... I it's, it's, read later. the whole article to get a really good grasp on, on, on the, what is actually on the happening. Lunacy of the, of the situation? Uh-huh. Yeah. Right. I mean, and, and of course, the other thing is, is that this contract is one aspect of cooperation between um, a Russian company and, the United, and a United States company. So it's more commerce than it is politics. But it'll be affected by okay. that. The article suggests that the like contract is focused on cooperation within 15 to 25 years. Um, the ISS is due for review and decisions. It's now 2015. So within five years, NASA's got to make, NASA and its international partners have to make their final decision on that. So and that's going to affect 
these relations that we're having. The issues in re Ukraine affect those things. So, yeah, a lot of stuff's going on. A lot of stuff's going on. A lot of exciting stuff uh, to keep track of these days. Now, as, as we continue forward on our new space, Elon Musk has just been burning the midnight oil. Poor guy. Um, <laughs> he's got quite the staff to help him do this, too. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> now... <clears throat> For most of us interested in spaceflight in general and in SpaceX in particular, because SpaceX it has holds the promise to be our primary number one cheap cheapest delivery space delivery service provider to space, not only for the satellites and the and the cargo that they're delivering the ISS now, but hopefully within a couple of years, astronauts and hopefully after that. Uh, regular people to go to space. Now, uh, on Saturday last, not yesterday, but the Saturday before, uh, we watched and waited for information about not only that the Dragon cargo unit reached the ISS, but also how their booster landing test went. And during the course, you know, when it, when it, it didn't quite hit the mark, they were off by about I'm guessing on the video about 150 feet, give or take. And this was basically they had some troubles in the upper uh, upper atmosphere and some uh, hydraulic failures, so some of the control fins didn't quite keep the rocket vertical. And so when she came down, she came down at a slight angle, and it made a real mess all over the deck. Yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> that's <laughs> and a few days later. We actually got to see some some video yeah. of the rocket actually hitting the side of the barge, which was really interesting um, when you consider the potential for damage. You know, we've seen rockets explode on the launch pad and the pad and the rocket and the fuel depot and so much just literally goes up in, in flames in that fireball. And yet this thing hits the side of the rocket of the, um, uh, the booster yeah, landing pad yeah. and... Yeah, there's some damage, but the ship still gets back to port on its pretty Which much Which is hard way. to believe considering the, the blast that we saw. Yeah, that was... but at the same time, the thing to remember is is that SpaceX has taken great pains to minimize the risks all the way along. First of all, by the time the rocket gets to the ground, mm -hmm. uh, when it lands on the deck, there's very little fuel left in that ship. Very little. That's good. And, and you know, it still was a pretty good fireball. <laughs> it was, it was. But and that's just one of the things. Uh, the fact, the fact of the matter is, not to make any any uh, <clears throat> any Sylvester Stallone movie just proud. <laughs> yeah, it's an expendable. <laughs> uh, I've watched all week as the banter and the comments and the various different other follow-on articles came up. Oh, it was a failure. Then it was a success. Then it was a failure. Oh, it was a partial success. It was a partial failure. Um, the bottom line is his goal was to get the doggone rocket close. The goal was to land the rocket on the barge. Which it did happen. That happened. No, they didn't. They didn't land on the barge. It hit the barge. Well, yeah, it hit the barge, but... Okay, <laughs> and it didn't actually hit it dead on. It didn't technically Yeah, land. I mean, but, but here's the thing. When you think about it, no Man. lights. There were no landing lights. Yeah. There's no lights on the rocket to, to guide it in. Yeah. 
Uh, it's pitch dark out there. There it, was uh, apparently. If it didn't blow up, it wouldn't have sawed off. There you go. <laughs> That's true. That's an interesting point. I hadn't thought about that. But so said, did they land? I can't see it. <laughs> but the bottom line is, the attempt to land the booster on the craft also had several other aspects that were new to this particular landing. Mm -hmm. The uh, uh, the fins that they added at the top of the rocket are relatively new. Um, the hydraulic fluid that they use is actually the rocket fuel. I didn't know that. Yeah. Uh, so they just they save enough of the rocket fuel, it goes up into there, and then it's piped down into the engines. Um, uh, so and then the, the landing gear, uh, but most of it worked. Most of it, if it weren't for that pneumatic fluid failure on the fins above, mm -hmm. if that ship could have maintained its vertical orientation, she'd have probably landed on deck right on target. So the next time they come through, they're going to pump down a little bit more um, hydraulic fluid for those fins so that they can stay uh, intact. And, and well, now they know more. Now they know more, yeah. and that's the beauty of this. This is this is only their third vertical landing attempt period yeah and you know if you're gonna all, if you're gonna jump off yeah. a 62 mile cliff oh sure and hit a particular okay. target in the dark they're doing pretty good and if i remember right it also had some kind of fog issue there was fog as well so again all these things yeah, made it really difficult to uh to see the ship as it came down and so forth and again, while some of the articles say, and the video is being showed here on the article link, so check it out, uh, <clears throat> all things considered, for the first try to get on the barge, um, they did it. I mean, well, they got on the barge. That's yeah, and technically, Falcon did hit all its target. <laughs> the article says, technically, Falcon did hit its target just at the wrong angle and a bit off center. And that's true. Um, so, but it, it was a little more positive, people. Yeah, uh, we need to remember that that stuff. It's it's not always as easy. Uh, this is rocket science, and <laughs> <laughs> this stuff ain't easy. This stuff is not easy. All right, moving on. Moving on. <clears throat> the subject gets more interesting. Oh boy. Um, and the question at the top of the article, no, you're in the wrong one. No, you didn't need that one. Either. Oh, I did miss one. How about that? Well, let's, let's go, let's go to space. Technician is always right. Uh-huh. All right. We'll, we'll put, let's get that one. You got that one up there? I got it up now. All right. We'll talk about space junk. Now, this is a recurring problem. And, you know, this this problem ain't going to go away easy. Uh, we have, up in orbit, a huge junkyard. I mean, I got 22,000 pieces that's, of junk yeah, that's in orbit. Yeah, that freaks me out, man. And I, here's the thing to consider. That's the junk. I tried to find a reference that um, gave an estimate of the actual number of satellites in orbit as well, 
uh, for comparison, and I, I couldn't find one. Uh, there's probably a link out there if somebody knows one. I uh, remember, send us a text. I remember you, know, you but, had a picture in the paper before of just literally dots of all the junk around. It looked like a fuzzy picture. Yeah. There were so there many was dots. So much, so much. And uh, this problem is getting worse. Uh, and in fact, um, there is the article discusses something that we all need to be uh, concerned about <clears throat> in, in that uh, there is a domino effect. And we saw this uh, in the last couple of years with a couple of impacts. And before that, China's um, satellite destruction that they tested. You know, they blew up one of their own satellites. Yeah, I heard. They destroyed it. And these things are triggering cascade impacts. Remember that movie, Gravity? Oh, yeah. That's what I thought. Man, she looks hot in underwear. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't resist. I just I just had to show, throw that out there. George Clooney thinks he's funny. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. <clears throat> Anyway, but in gravity, we see, right, in in gravity, despite the oddities that they put together, they put Shenzhou, they put a Russian uh, space station, and they put the ISS up in orbit all at the same time, plus the space shuttle, um, when the space shuttle wasn't around, has been gone before they even put uh, Tiangong space shuttle, or space station up from China. So, yeah, there, there was despite those issues. things, despite it was a great movie. It yeah. was really a great movie. Yeah, she did a great Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, so, but that movie actually demonstrates the potential catastrophic effects of, space shuttle. of space shuttle debris, or not space shuttle debris, but space, space debris. Yeah. And, in fact, the article points out that in October, the ISS had to be moved to avoid... A hand-sized piece of Russia's Cosmos 2251 satellite, which broke up after colliding with another satellite back in 2009. I mean, the lesson here is, that's, that's uh, what, six years ago? So one of these wow. pieces, I mean, they can take six to ten years before they get around to a point where everything comes together and, bam, it becomes catastrophic. Yeah. And you're thinking, okay, how much did it cost us to move the space station just to avoid the streets of junk. So you got to consider all that. Well, yeah, there's the calculations, you know. I mean, you know, it's, like, you know it's, it's fuel. That's what it costs. And the fuel's well, in the ATV it's, and it's, it's paid still, for. It's, it still costs us money to move an entire station to avoid space junk, okay? True. True, true. Okay, Okay, now we get to the one I wanted to talk about. Yeah, I know. You wanted to talk about this one. Um, particularly for, for preppers, they'll like this. Um, recycle. What's what's that phrase? Uh, reuse, recycle. Recycle, reuse. Renewable. Yeah. Recycle, reuse. I forget what the phrase goes. There's the three R's, basically. Um, NASA's working on Refuse. a poo-powered spaceship. More to the point, what they're working on. going to happen. Yeah. More to the point, the article goes into some detail. They've developed a way to harvest multiple I mean, they've always good been, things. They've always been full of it. Well, there's that. Um, <laughs> by 
by working on the idea of an anaerobic biogas generating, uh, I'm sorry, let me get it right, anaerobic digestion, what do they call this thing, is a process we've known about for a long time uh, <laughs> in science circles. Well, no, it failed. Just call it a thing. Well, yeah. Uh, there's, there's an image in, down towards the center of the article. They talk about how using anaerobic digestion, you can take the active solids as well as the, the liquids from people and generate uh, biogas um, as well as water and other byproducts that we actually need to survive. Called a poo-powered spaceship. Uh-huh. Okay. Right. That's what now, it says, guys. Here's the deal. Even though um, they can generate fuel. The quantities that we're getting at this point um, are interesting, to say the least. In the article, they talk about um, the process not, produces maybe not about getting, getting enough poo up there. <laughs> uh, actually, um, when you consider that <clears throat> his process produces about 200 gallons of non-drinkable water. That can be used for radiation protection or purified into uh, drinkable form. Um, where is it? They they talk about uh, they mention how much poo uh, a crew <laughs> could develop, and, and and over the course of a year, it's a huge number. It really is. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And and they've got they've got a picture of the, so they of got the to put it somewhere. They've know? got to put it somewhere. Although I got to tell you, the picture of that toilet seat is scary as all get out. Yeah, I, that's. I'm not sure if I would want to sit on that. I don't think you're supposed to. I think that's supposed to open for some reason. I but. hope so. Well, yeah. I, oh yeah, probably. I'll, I'll. <laughs> you guys got to actually look at that that website. That, that picture is really interesting. That's that's definitely an engineer's it's nightmare. Uh, baby. Um, yeah. He's like, oh, it's so pretty. Yeah, that that, that center, the knob for that little hatch just I scares the bejeebus out of me. I know. You know, but you know, you do what I you need to do. I don't that way, you know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, but anyway, uh, moving on in our um, private space flight news, Elon Musk <laughs> is in the news in again. again? He's in the news again. I Is anybody survived? Man, Is it stop. anybody surprised? Yeah, um, this is a very short. Attention grabber. Yeah, this is a very short stub article. <laughs> um, I'm sure if you Google, you can find others. I know I did. Uh, Elon has really been pulling out all the stops. He's he's uh, actually started work on his Hyperloop test track. Did you know that they actually built a test track for the Hyperloop, or it's no, in progress? No. Um, also. He has started to. I think he sleeps. Uh, I, I think yes. I think that he's probably already become a robot, and that's why he can do so many things. Oh, I think the the the, the pod bots have hit him. Mm, I think yeah. the pod bots got to him. Yeah, I think. I, and there's yeah. no way anybody can produce as much. But anyway, yeah. he's producing some really uh, exciting things. One of the things that this particular article addresses is the idea of his proposal, and actually, there's a couple of people doing this. Um, uh, Virgin Galactic just this week announced their intent to do something similar, a competing um, 
close close to, to Earth orbiting satellite network to extend internet access literally to everybody. But we know what happens when somebody promises it to everybody. It just costs more. But Elon and Richard Branson are both proposing the launching and they're developing separate plans to build a, a, a more robust, a more reachable internet that would be faster, bigger, cheaper. And connected to the third world. And connected to the third world. Now, Elon Musk goes a step further and suggests... We need to start selling books to them. Books to who? The third world. That way, you know, we get in on the market there. Well, yeah, okay. Where was I? Oh, Elon Musk, his Internet plans don't stop at Earth orbit. He's talking about using these satellites to be able to, to reach out um, to the moon, to Mars, of course. and perhaps farther should we venture that far. Well, he's looking ahead for when he actually, you know, when they do get to the moon and Mars. Well, he wants to have his villa on he, the Mars He wants ocean. to be able to talk to somebody. Mm-hmm. Other than himself and his crew that happened to be there on Mars. That's right. He's looking to spend $10 billion on broadcasting Internet signals from satellites in space. And he talked about this in, a, in an interview. That's the ultimate long-distance call. It really is. But here's the thing. you got to realize we're already using satellites for our Internet today. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, most of the signals go via satellite today, whether it's GPS, whether it's Internet, whether it's TV, uh, telephone, Almost everything's going that way. In fact, I remembered when I got my new phone not too long ago, I was astounded by the impression that I got that the rate structures in most plans today are built around data. And in fact, a technician mentioned that most voice calls go through data now anyway. Yeah, that makes sense actually, based on how that works. Yeah, it does. That explains you know how they're they're doing. They're able to get, capture using, the voice and do words out of them. Using data systems yeah, yeah. is much less expensive than trying to I'm use quite the sure analog. I said it wrong, but yeah. yeah, you get the idea. Well, the analog radio signals <laughs> actually take um, more energy than do digitals because digital signals can be compressed much easier, much simpler. Um, they can also be far more accurate, far cleaner. Because they use a lot less data, blah blah blah. So what he's got, he's, he's proposing some interesting things, and again, it's just it's one more thing that uh, helps to create interest in what he is doing, and also what could be coming down the pike. We all hope very soon. Next on our list, um, there's a new uh, report out. Uh, check out this article from the Space Reporter. They talk about the moon's resources are of, quote, potential economic interest. Now, many of you who have been listening for a while, or at least on occasion, have heard me talk about... Um, Whenever you happen to. <laughs> ...the difference in, in the approaches to the resources that we see on the moon. We know they're there. We know there's water ice there. We know there's oxygen. We know there's all sorts of, of precious metals up there, titanium, aluminum, all these types of things uh, to be had for the taking, assuming you can get whatever equipment personnel up there to do the mining. But what this article points out, which is something eh, new in the community, um, 
it's something I've been talking about for years in, in uh, uh, comment groups, chat groups, and things like this. And that is, is that... Anybody will um, listen to you. Do what? Anybody will listen to you. Anybody will listen to me. Um, now, what they talk about is, is the article points out that rather than nominate a single lunar resource as a potential impetus for economic exploration, this gentleman named Ian Crawford from the Department of Earth's Planetary Sciences at Burbeck College, University of London, says that the totality of the moon's resources do not represent a significant and worthwhile target. The key to evaluating the moon's potential resources is in its geology. Probes, landers, sample return missions have furthered our understanding of lunar geology. Now, the lunar surface is divided into two basic units. You got the highlands and you got the lowlands. All right. We've all heard about that. Now, the distribution of stuff um, in the, the younger, darker um, lowlands areas uh, that flowed into the, the huge basins, um, and then the highlands are overlaid by the regularly, relatively thin regolith or lunar dust. Now, that dust has got a lot of stuff in it. Uh, you've got the helium. You've got water ice concealed in craters. Uh, you've got uh, oxygen, metals, iron, titanium, aluminum, silicon, and rare earth elements such as thorium and uranium. Now, he suggests that lunar resources, once extracted, and here's the, here's the bugger, guys, could be of use to a base or other infrastructure on the moon itself. Now, using the moon's resources will necessitate international cooperation, a legal framework that would encourage investment and avoid conflict, of course. But the idea of sending these resources back to Earth is questionable. Yeah, well, we talked about that. Yeah, many times, actually. Mm -hmm. um, I'm a firm believer that um, you extract resources on, on the moon, uh, unless there is a very compelling business reason to send it back down into Earth, yeah, it, it, it's it the the cost to the marketplace is still going to be huge, yeah. well and well far away above what it would be otherwise, and the, the technologies just haven't been completely developed yet to create that delivery system. So. And an interesting article I found, uh, they do give a link out to the actual report. Uh, or they did. Where's it at? I know I saw it. Yeah, there it is. Um, so check it out. Cool, interesting reading. Um, and we are now at our point where it's time for a break. My voice is starting to crack. What I'm going to do is I'm going to go ahead and give the uh, link for what we're going to be talking about. Um, that way, perhaps you guys have, you know, guys have a few minutes here while he gets a drink. And uh, that way, you'll know what we're going to talk about. And perhaps. And I'll, I'll give you a quick in, heads up. I'll give you a quick heads up. Okay. There was a LinkedIn article or a LinkedIn post this past week um, about an organization seeking volunteers um, to. Uh, participate in a um, study uh, regarding isolation. Mm. Now, one of the things that struck me about this post was that the guidelines, the, the requirements for participants, was so narrow and specific. Very rigid, yeah. 
very, very rigid. And this is just a general study. This, the, you know, I, I cannot under, understand why. Are we going to have to go ahead and go? No. Oh. Um, there are things that I don't understand why NASA continues to create rigid structures like this when we need to start broadening the um, range of people that we put through testing on these things. We're never going to get the answers that we need from the broader base of society until we do something more. So when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about that. Okay, two minute break, everyone. We'll see you in so a few moments. Click on it and find out, and then and then be prepared to call in, uh, or underneath the information about the actual, uh, you know, what we're where we're at right now, uh, in the chat. If you don't want to call in or don't have capability calling in, definitely uh, put in your questions or, or comments into the chat area. Phone number is seven one four two four two five one four five, and we're going to take a two minute break, and we'll be right back. you come on out to the Hey Girls Americana Radio Show, hosted by Song River and Carol Pacey of Carol Pacey and the Honey Shakers. All coming to you live on KWOD Independent Internet Radio, broadcasting from the Ice House Tavern in Phoenix, Arizona. All sound recorded and mixed by Vintage Note Records. Come on out, check out the show, and then visit the website at blogtalkradio.com backslash KWOD radio. We'll see y'all out there.
this is K Wad Radio. <laughs> and I were just in there talking and all of a sudden I look at the screen and then dead air. Sorry about that guys. We're on live again, K Wad Radio, and this is Patty Holstrin and we are at the next space show with Alan Joe. Hi I'm Joe. And here's Al. Hello. Let me get my speaker right here. Okay. So we were talking about commentary. And on the commentary tonight, there was, as I said before, we there was a post in the National Space Society group this past week, uh, a call-out for volunteers needed for a 14-day isolation simulation experiment at NASA JSC in Houston. Now, what caught my attention was, is I actually saw, like, uh, it caught me by surprise. There were a total of 14 comments on this. Um, and they put phone number and contact names of the people in charge of the the sign-ups and volunteers for the project, which I, which seemed pretty cool. I mean, I hadn't seen one before on online like this, and it's probably just because I've missed it. Um, but one of the things that caught my attention as I read through the brief post is uh, – Volunteers must pass a JSC physical, be 26 to 55 years old, have a BMI of 29 or less, be 74 inches or less in height, with no history of sleepwalking or use of sleep aids. Subjects, well, pretty much cuts out everybody. Yeah. Subjects should have an advanced degree or equivalent years of experience. Subjects will be given a psychological test as part of the screening. Now, that's that's the part that got my attention because these, I mean, you're you're really um, limiting the kinds of people you're going to get in a test like this. Yeah. Professional people, um, advanced degrees, and yet if you're 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 doing something that is an isolation test why should it always be about engineering unless and even so well what this does is 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 have the elitism again and i and i think that cuts out the normal you know and honestly that's that's what i felt yeah but here's the thing and, and in defense of nasa i can understand that perhaps the tests and the challenges that these people will be put under during the 14-day period in testing, isolation, simulation, oh, I understand are that. going to be using really technical equipment. But so what, you need but, to have an understanding of that. Well, yes, but you can still train somebody. And the thing is that, you know, they're assuming that just because you have no college degree that you're, you know, too ignorant to run a machine, which is not Well, true. there is that suggested assumption. But, yeah, I, the thing that I was thinking in terms of is it's less about the qualifications of, quote, an average Joe who could come in and do this mm-hmm. without an advanced degree. Right. All right. right. Um, the advanced degree is the thing that really kind of bit my craw. Yeah. Um, they're talking about a body mass index of 29 or less. Uh, I can understand the 74 inches or less in height. I mean, that's that's just a little over six foot. Well, because their spaceships only go. Well, not only that, but 
the broad range of people is under six feet. Your average person is five nine to to five five eleven. So that's that's a no-brainer. Right. But this this bit about having to have an advanced degree or equivalent years of experience, I, I really think that this is this is a shame because if you're testing for isolation, you're testing for motor skills, you're testing for the ability to just generally function in the environment and perform tasks to measure that. Right. These don't necessarily have to be advanced degree tasks. No. You know, the ability to take Push readings, the ability to write, the ability to compose on a computer, the abilities to be able to <coughs> visually detect things. These are skills that everybody is going to need to be able to do. We're all going to need to be able to understand how to overcome the challenges of isolation, how to go overcome the challenges of sudden decompression. Yeah. And, you know, to... To illustrate my point, I remember in military training uh, for the Air Force, we had to undergo a, a series of tests in uh, in the service as a function of our initial training where we had to be exposed to a sudden decompression. We were tested to see if our motor skills would remain intact or for how long they would. We were tested... Um, on being able to stay awake in the in the lowered air pressure, um, and the guidelines were that you had to be able to perform at a certain skill level for a certain period of time in order to survive, mm -hmm. and that's what they were looking for. It was survival. Now NASA's been at this business uh, for 50 plus years now, and I would think that the uh, focus would begin to slide towards finding out what we need to know about sending the average person into space, the person that doesn't have the advanced degree but has mining skills. Or maybe they've got geological study skills, the ability to be a geologist and study the, the strata, the, the ability for a person to just operate as a medic, which is about all we're going to have up there for a long time. We won't be having surgeons and hospitals and clean rooms. And I, I guess I get frustrated sometimes huh. that NASA doesn't seem to have an interest in broadening the scope of the experiments to include more people so that you get a broader range of results. Yeah. And it does give the impression of elitism. Yeah. If you're not a military pilot... Between five nine and five eleven, with multiple advanced degrees, and under fifty five years of age. Yeah. And we're and still buff. You still got to be in pretty good condition. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, you know, it's it's a challenge. And, and I think and, we and is. And on top of it, she'll be interested. <laughs> They'll be interested in doing that. But you yeah. know, we did have Senator John Glenn went up at, in his seventies and right. spent time at the but space the station. But he's he already be cut out because he's too old for it. And you know, I remember, I dimly remember that was part of the conversation when he went up. Yeah. There was concern about his age, yeah. his physical condition, yeah. and yet he did just fine. 
He probably takes enough sleep aids. <laughs> he was one of our first astronauts. So. I know, I know. And and I think it's quite a I think it's it's a wonderful thrilling experience to have been able to go back into space um, in his later years. Yeah. And I imagine for him it must have. I could imagine it being thrilling just to be there, Again. much less the challenges yeah. that he faced. Yeah. Um, the, I imagine he would. And and yet you know this is a man who has kept himself in pretty good shape throughout his life. He may not have faced any challenges. Or anything serious. He may have been just fine up there, like a, like a kid back in a swimming pool after two <laughs> years away from the water, you know? Yeah. I mean. Yeah. Kicking and screaming. Kicking and, and screaming, fun. having a ball, beach balls going back and forth. Um, but, yeah, I, I think there is there is this issue of an elitism stuck in the NASA mentality. Yeah. Um, if you're not an engineer, you don't get to be part of it. Yeah. Um. I know. The idea that only engineers have good ideas uh, is scary. And the idea that average folks um, can't look forward to going without having to go through this massive multi-year training investment. Wow. I mean, that's, that's what we saw with uh, all of the uh, cargo specialists and experimental people that went up with the space station uh, or to the space station and on the space shuttle. They had to go through months and months of, of training to get ready to go. And I sometimes wonder just how much of that is actually necessary. Wow. And you look at airliners today. The, the airline companies have made that kind of travel very, very safe. I mean, despite the wrecks we're hearing about today. Right, but considering yeah. number of flights, sure, sure number of flights that oh, are out yeah. there. Oh, yeah. It's just, it's incredible. <laughs> but, see, this is just it. They kept it simple. And this is where I think NASA makes its mistakes. It takes an engineering approach to everything instead of trying to keep it simple. Mm. And so many things get overcomplicated. Not that rocket science isn't complicated to begin with. It is. But once you're in a position on the ISS, the most complicated thing you've got to really worry about is an air leak. And repairing that can be as simple as throwing a patch at the wall. How many of us has thrown a big piece of rubber up at the wall <laughs> and watched it dribble down the wall like a big green slimy chunk of it Reminds goo. me of the to Looney Tunes. Yeah. You know, with their... their <laughs> Black dot that they used to pick up on one thing and throw up against the wall. <laughs> and then stretch it into a big doorway. Uh, yeah, yeah, so. yeah. <laughs> I do think, though, that even though I spotted this, and even though this one hit me like a ton of bricks, I think we're seeing a lot of change. Sadly, it doesn't look like NASA's going to be included in the long term. I think NASA as an organization is um, is headed for administration oblivion to become a regulatory agency. Well, I think that was part of the intention when they, uh, you know, were created. No, when oh. when they retired the shuttle. I mean, what? No, 
they're they're building the SLS, or at least they're trying to. Although, you know, there's been a lot of talk about Congress forcing the SLS on them. You know what the SLS is, right? No. Space Launch System. Okay. And? It's the BF, BFR. Big freaking rocket. <laughs> now that I understand. Okay. Big freaking uh, rocket. Big freaking rocket. Launches bigger and bigger, bigger and bigger things into orbit to okay. add to the yeah. junk that's already there. Well, hopefully we actually get through. <laughs> Way through all that junk. Well, it's been a great night. We've we've talked about a lot of things. You gonna go over your long list of stuff that you? I've been putting all these things out, which is other things that we've talked about. Or where is it? It's a long list. Oh, the the way the uh, opportunities to participate. Yes, your opportunities to participate. Um, other ongoing news. It, well, it's 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 not so much ongoing news as much as it is ways to. Um, kind of tap into the uh, the thing that's going on out there. The Mars Society has uh, two, no, two, yes, I said two different Mars habitat analog stations. Uh, one up in, uh, or yeah, one in uh, I think it's Nova Scotia, and one in Utah. And these, they actually run crews through these on a regular basis every year to uh, test and, and, and experiment what it would be like to live on Mars. Um, also, we have uh, NASA has uh, the Asteroid Grand Challenge. Uh, we have gift ideas that we like to share, both for kids and for adults. Um, there is, uh, what else do we got here? Oh, Mars Initiative. Uh, is still um, looking for volunteers and staff and so forth. Check out their website, Mars Initiative. Um, Celestial Sods, we, we get a kick out of uh, this one every time. Yeah, we do. Um, brewery uh, introduced a Planets beer series based on um, the old, there's an old classical piece from a composer called Holtz, H-O-L-S-T-Z, I think, who created a series of compositions about each of the planets. I love the Mars one. It's an awesome piece. <laughs> um, but these these suds, there's seven different beers named for each of the seven planets they represent. The Boy Scouts have a Boy Scout Space Exploration Series of Merit Badges and a handbook to go with them. Um, you make your own spaceship, too. All sorts of uh, models and, and paper uh, paper rockets that you can build and construct. Uh, games. Orbiter is a free and realistic spaceflight simulation program for the Windows PC. Check out uh, Wikipedia. Look up uh, Orbiter. Uh, it'll give you uh, as well as the links that we're putting I'm just up. putting those links up now. Yeah. So at the end of um, But, um, you know, there are boatloads of ways to participate, to study. If you're out there and looking at ways to generate a program to encourage students to look at STEM, science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. Um, I myself uh, have several projects that we have done that. Uh, WAD Media, we constructed our own um, trebuchet <laughs> with a 16-foot sling arm. I mean, this Weapon thing is monstrous. Weapon Yep, that's, that's our, our own tender, loving black scorpion. 
Uh, of which, actually, this last summer, I built a much smaller one. The, the black scorpion. The baby scorpion. Mama had our baby scorpion. Yeah, I don't want to think about it. Scorpion is my least favorite animal in the entire freaking world. And how they do, he built a huge one. But over the over the last several years, in cooperation with uh, the Moon Society, uh, I actually constructed a, um, a simulated uh, rover. Yes, yeah. Pair. Yeah. Where people could actually, we put this on a on a tarp and cover it up, and it had cameras on it, and you used remote control. And the idea was you actually had to control it from a computer screen, where you were right. watching this right. thing come in, and it was uh, received very well. The, the kids really liked it. Um, the even the adults, like the adults even liked it even more because it was it was pretty challenging to operate a rover without, without being looking. able to look yeah, at it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so and and that's, and, and that's what it's all about, guys. That's what it's all about. Now, we also did uh, did some things with uh, paper rockets, yeah, and stomp yeah, rockets. Stomps. Uh, this was fun. We did out of the convention. You remember? The, you remember the one night we were out in Mesa Second Friday, and we had that little girl come up, and 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 I kept taunting her. I said, "You're stepping yeah, on that you like a boy. Come on, put some oomph in it, like a girl." <laughs> Ultimately, she set that rocket up so high, the wind blew it off course and sent it yeah. onto a roof. Yeah, well, actually, it was in the tree, probably yeah. still in the tree. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but the surprising thing is, is that these these tools, these these almost toys, can teach the kids about the wonderful and exciting things that they can do True. with There's stuff from home, it's like stuff recyclable from home. stuff. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. You can talk about renewable energy. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, one right. of the one one of the best renewable sources of energy. Some How about the hot in, hot air from any man? Yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so I noticed that you did not put up one thing that that we briefly talked about this before uh, the show started. Uh, saw the Time Magazine article of the of, of the week. They um, that article actually covers information disseminated last. Well, that was be December twenty thirteen. Um, the uh, Mark and Scott Kelly, both members of the Astronaut Corps. Um, twins. Twins. Uh, and I believe Scott is married to our former Arizona Congresswoman, Gabby Gifford. Yeah. Um, and uh, Mark, if I remember right, Mark is going up onto the ISS. Scott is going to stay here. And what NASA is going to do is compare their progress over the course of a year. What changes are going on between the two men, uh, how they're changing differently, what are they truly experiencing that is the same, what are they experiencing that is different. What's and the I understand, process? Yeah, and okay. I understand that there are aspects of, a lot of aspects of their entire lives are going to be monitored, uh, checked, and cross-checked against each other. To, to see what what the differences are Understand in their activities that, yeah. on Earth yeah. and, and in space. Yeah, it should be curious. It will be. And the Time Magazine, I think you spotted the Time yes, Magazine on the stands today yep. with uh, with the cover article talking about just this event. Yeah, so I, it caught my eye. Check that out online or in the book. Um, or in the magazine. Definitely worth reading if you're a, a fan of manned space travel. As we are, of course. And with that, um, and here at the the next space show with Alan Joe. Alan Joe.
on K1 Radio. Where we discuss the progress of manned spaceflight news this week and every week on Sunday night. We welcome you and encourage you to join us and leave you tonight. Bring your friends next time. <laughs> and we leave you with something with, that calls out the rogue in all of us. The pirate, the, the maverick that we all admire and love to hate often and hate to compete with, that's for sure. Um, to everyone tonight, uh, be safe. Be bad and be good at it. With that, we're signing out. I already looked through the calendar, so uh, for those who uh, like to know more about the calendar, uh, the wad.net is back up uh, after a couple, probably day or so of being down. And so we, uh, there's a calendar on there with all the different events, especially here in Arizona that we'd like to feature. Uh, so definitely take a look at the calendar on the wad.net. Um, also, you know, come on by and swing on by at the convention in Marysing, Arizona uh, Comic-Con to say hi. We will be there, both of us, actually. Amazing, too, because we rarely, rarely go anywhere together. Yeah. Not much anymore. No. That's, we're all doing our own thing, man. So, with that, I'm going to say goodnight, and we'll be back here next Sunday at 7 p.m., same bat channel, same bat time. Next week is what, the 27th, right? Uh, 25th. Or 25th? Yep. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.